0: I appreciate being back here tonight and uh, what a joy it is to see how God is moving and working at Calvary and what what a great facility God has given you I love this church I love your dear pastor what a great man of God he is tonight I'm glad I'm saved how about you what a great joy it is to be saved you you can be seated tonight I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Joshua the Old Testament book of Joshua as uh, I was climbing up, I was kind of serious about that stool, climbing up on it. And when you're only five foot eight, man, you need all the height you can get. And uh, there was a guy asked me years ago. He said, "Preacher, have you always been short?" <laughs> and I thought just a minute. I said, "No, I used to be real, real tall." And I said, "Over the process of time, I just got shorter." I said, "Have you always been stupid?" <laughs> and uh, He didn't have really a good answer for that. You know, uh, I have found one thing about being short, one thing that's good. Nobody knows when you got a booger in your nose. Amen? (laughs) Joshua chapter number 6 tonight. I was uh, telling you, preacher, I I realize this is jubilee and uh, I've been asking God to give us the message for the hour. And uh, it seems like the Lord's not really giving me a jubilee message. And I don't know, it seems like that's what's been happening this week. And so uh, anyway I think God knows what we need don't you and it's amazing how God can coordinate a week like this bring us all together in different places different churches and different ministries and he's got prepared exactly what we need to go forward in the faith and so tonight as we look at the Word of God Joshua chapter number six I want to tell you without any apology I hold my hands the inerrant scripture of God's holy breath this is the Word of God And it's not just the Word of God. It's the Word of God for us. And it's not just the Word of God for us. It's the Word of God for us to live and to breathe and to exercise in our life. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. No one out, none came in. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, threefold promise God gave to Joshua, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, we got a little taste of that tonight, didn't we? All the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Heavenly Father, as I come to you tonight, I realize, God, that I will fail in my flesh. God, I realize tonight that I have nothing in and of myself to give these people Of an eternal value God if anything happens good it'll be because you've done it and God we pray tonight that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost of God God we stand and we confess that we need you in this hour God I pray that you'd overshadow your servant tonight and use me God I ask you God to use me tonight and God above and beyond that I pray you open up the hearts of the hearers of the Word of God God I pray that it'd find a lodging place Lord somewhere in our life God, that we can leave this place different than the way that we came in. Thank you for this great church tonight. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here at Calvary. Thank you for Brother Hayslip. God, what he means to me. God, the friend that he's been down the years. And God, I pray that you give him a double portion of your blessing. We'll give you praise and honor and glory. For it's in your wonderful name we've tried to pray. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. I want you tonight to take your attention to verse number 5. In the word of the Lord, and if you're in the habit of marking things in your word, I want you to underline this statement in verse number 5, where the Bible says, And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord on this thought. We all have walls that need to fall. We all have walls that need to fall. When you come to Joshua chapter number 6, you'll discover that this is one of the great transitional passages in all of the Word of God. This is the moment in time where God has given the children of Israel all of the land of promise. As you understand the context here, you will discover that God indeed has brought the children of Israel out of some things. You go back just a few chapters and just a few books and you'll discover that God brought these people out of the land of bondage. There they had served Pharaoh for 430 years and in bitterness and in brokenness and in bondage they had labored and built the great city of Egypt. But God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses and called them out of bondage. He called them out of the burdens. He called them out of the trials of their faith. What a wonderful picture that is for you and I who have been called out of the bondage of sin. We've been called out of the bondage of our taskmaster. May I remind you tonight before we get too high and mighty, where we came from is not where we are tonight. We came from a pit of hell. We came where our father was the devil. We came from the bondage of depravity and depression and discouragement. But I'm glad to tell you on a Friday night I'm not what I'm going to be but thank God I'm not what I used to be and I'm not where I'm going to be but I'm glad I'm not where I used to be and as you come to Joshua chapter number 6 God has delivered the children of Israel out of the burdens and the bondage of life over the last 40 years he's also led them out of the barrenness and out of the bitterness of the wilderness for 40 years God provided for them in the howling wastelands of life God, would you believe it if I told you, was able to bring water out of a rock. God was able to bring bread out of the ovens of glory. God was able to prepare them and provide for them and protect them there in the wilderness. And now in Joshua chapter number 6, the children of Israel has already crossed over the Jordan River. The second generation of God's people have risen up, the Joshua generation. And God is about to do something for them that He has promised down through the years. Does it not amaze you tonight that God, even as He parted the Red Sea for Moses and his generation, has parted the Jordan waters for Joshua and for his generation, just for one more reminder that what I did in days gone by, I can and will do again. God has led them out he's bringing them in and he's telling them I'm going to give you all the promises of the land of Canaan here in Joshua chapter number 6 we discover God has not just brought them out of something he's about to bring them into something That's a wonderful picture of the abundant, victorious Christian life. God has not just brought us out of our sin. He's not just brought us out of our hell. He's not just brought us out of our depravity. He's not just brought us out of our iniquity. But aren't you glad tonight? He's constantly bringing in to the victorious, abundant, hallelujah, glory-filled life. And so God says, I promised you the land of Canaan. I promised Abraham the land of Canaan. And I promised Isaac the land of Canaan. And I promised Jacob the land of Canaan. And I promised Joseph the land of Canaan. And I promised Moses the land of Canaan. And Joshua, I'm promising you the land of Canaan. I'm gonna give you the city of Jericho. I'm gonna give you the king thereof. And all the mighty men of valor. Aren't you glad tonight you can bank on the promises of God? You can trust in His Word. Everything that He said, it can and will come to pass if we'll just keep abiding in His promises. So God's bringing them out. He's about to bring them in. But the one thing that's going to stand in their way of getting all that God has prepared for them all these years is the walls of Jericho. God says, I've given you wells that you did not have to dig. And I've given you homes that you did not have to build. And I've given you vineyards that you did not have to plant. Oh, what a glorious life that God has for the children of Israel beyond Joshua chapter 6. But we got a problem in Joshua chapter number 6. What is standing in the way of them receiving everything that God had promised, not just their forefathers, but had promised them, was embodied in this great wall known as the city of Jericho. Jericho literally, spiritually, physically is standing in the way of them moving forward in the faith. As you look at this wall tonight, the city of Jericho, I would surmise to you in this building this evening, we all too have walls that need to fall. Walls hinder us. Walls prevent us. Walls restrict us. Walls will stop us from going further. And can I just say this tonight? You're looking at a preacher that has not yet arrived. I don't have it all figured out. And I have the enemies to fight. And I have discouraging days. And I'll just be very transparent tonight. Sometimes I look at the walls in my life and think, how am I ever going to get over these things? Can I just say it again? We all have walls that need to fall. And can I tell you this? I'm not trying to be a TV preacher. But God does want to fulfill His promises in your life. And God does want you to operate in faith. And God does want you to move forward. And God does want you to have blessing. And God does want you to have joy. And God does want to fill your soul with the glories of heaven. And God does want you to have fruit. And He does want you to win people to the Lord. And He does want you to be joyful in this life. Not just the one to come. But sometimes the wall stands in our way and prevents us from going further. I would say tonight as we look at... These walls that need to fall, first of all, look at the dimension of the wall. The dimensions of the wall. Now, they should not be surprised in Joshua 6 when they faced Jericho because Moses in Deuteronomy 9 told the people of God just before he dismissed himself from the leadership. He said, you will go into the land of Canaan And thou art to pass over this day and possess the nations that are greater and mightier than thyself with cities that have great and fenced up walls to the heavens. He told them that before they ever saw Jericho. And so, as they crossed over Jordan, consecrated themselves, and got ready to embark on the promises of God, suddenly what Moses had told them had come to pass. This is not in my notes. But I do want to say this, we ought to listen to them, old men of God. Because they've received a word from the Lord. Moses told Joshua to tell the people, there's going to be some walls before you get to the land of Canaan. And as they come to the wall of Jericho, I want you to understand, this is not some little fenced up city. As a matter of fact, if you go on AIG, Ken Ham's uh, internet site, you'll discover that archaeologists... They have unveiled large portions of the city of Jericho and discovered that the walls of Jericho were nearly insurmountable for human efforts. efforts. They say if uh, Israelites stood at the base of the wall there at Jericho that the first exterior wall stood 15 feet high. Behind that wall was another supporting wall that stood an additional 20 feet beyond the initial 15 feet high on that exterior wall. So you understand just looking up at that first wall was a 35 foot wall. They said that there was a large embankment that sloped nearly 30 feet beyond that wall to another wall so much so that people even lived on the walls of that city. They said that chariots would race around those walls. You remember Rahab in the Word of God. She lived upon that wall. Let me say, if a harlot can live upon such a wall, this isn't a little wall, would you say amen? Then they say the interior wall goes up an additional 20 feet beyond and beyond the 35 feet and the 20 feet then the other wall of the 20 feet. Preacher, what do you say? I am saying tonight that if you're an Israelite and you have come to the land of Canaan and you have found this wall, you are looking up nearly seven stories high at a wall that cannot be passed with human strength and human ingenuity. Preacher, what are you saying tonight? I'm saying this, that sometimes the walls in our life are so big and so deep and so high And so thick and so long that in and of ourselves we really don't know how to get those walls down. And I I find three observations about this wall, the dimensions of the wall. First of all, I want to tell you this. This kind of wall, it's not built overnight. This wall takes time to build. This kind of wall was not built in a day. It was not built in a month. I would even surmise that it probably wasn't even built in a year this kind of wall took time to build there was a lot of energy put into building this wall there was a lot of sweat put into building this wall there was a lot of blood that was shed putting this wall and before they realized that they're looking at a wall that didn't just pop up overnight they're looking at a wall that somebody had invested in for years and for years and for years And tonight, can I tell you something? Sometimes the walls that we face, they didn't just get here this morning. The struggles that we endure, they didn't just happen last week. No, but what's happened over the process of time, brick by brick and mortar by mortar and day after day, suddenly we built walls in our life and we wonder how did it get there. And as we look over the course and the weeks and the days gone by, suddenly we built things. We built things so high, so big. And what say, preacher, what's the problem with that? It's stopping us from getting further in our faith. I heard about that old couple that they got married, they loved one another over the process of time. They just stopped start, start talking to each other, got bitter with each other, and they resorted in just to writing notes. The man wrote a note that night and says, Wake me up at 7 o'clock in the morning or I'll be late for the job. He went to bed that night, woke up that morning at 8.30, wandering around late, realized he wouldn't have a place to go to. And beside the note that he read was a note from his wife that says, It's 7 o'clock, dummy, get up. And some of y'all get that after a while. But you know, a relationship like that doesn't happen overnight. It's in Jubilee. It's in Jubilee message, but I hope it'll help us. Problems like that don't happen overnight. Problems in the ministry don't just pop up overnight. Now, they can. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times, those, those deep-rooted issues, those things that we just can't get by and get beyond... It is the result of days and days and days of us looking at things that we have no control over. I find another observation here. This is the kind of wall it takes to build time. But I notice this as well. This is the kind of wall that's built by other people. Do you know tonight when the children of Israel came to the wall of Jericho, it was not them that built the wall? It was the inhabitants of Jericho who built the wall. And can I say this this evening? There's some walls that you face that you had no control on them being erected. But nonetheless, there they are. Can I say it this way? There's some walls in your life that you're looking at tonight that other people built. Days gone by, somebody hurt you or somebody... Did you wrong? Right now, I'm dealing with a man in my church who from the age of two years old, his father started sexually molesting him to about the age of eight. And brother, I'm telling you what, this guy, all that has happened to him in his early years, it has affected everything in his life. I've been going verse by verse on Wednesday nights in the book of Colossians chapter number 1 I got to verse number 12 where it says giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet. And I got to talking about our Heavenly Father and how He loves us and how He cares for us and how He provides for us and protects us and gives us light. And that man came to me after church a couple Wednesday nights ago and said, Preacher, I cannot relate at all when you say that God is our Heavenly Father. He says when I think about a father, he said I think of anything but love. I think of anything but joy. I think of anything but provision. As a matter of fact, whenever I hear the word father, he said, preacher, it seems like my gut just begins to turning over. Every area of his life. Right now he's struggling with every relationship. He can't trust anybody. He doesn't have joy Matter of fact, he's been on alcohol and drugs. He's turned to homosexuality. He's done all different things in his life. I'm telling you, he's faced a many of walls. Many of walls that me and you would never want to face. And at the end of the day, it wasn't him that built that wall. It was other people that built that wall. And tonight it's true, sometimes in our own error and in our own sin, in our own messing ups, we can build walls in our life that prevent us from going further. But sometimes the walls that we face, it wasn't our fault, it was somebody else's. But you cannot allow others to control your joy in Jesus Christ. And sometimes some people want to build so many walls and if you're not careful, you'll think that that wall is there to protect you. We do that. We do that. That, That's why we put walls up between our friends and walls up between our spouses and walls up between our children, walls up between ministries, walls up between all the way. Let me tell you something. These walls were not there to protect them. These walls were there to prevent them from going further. And it doesn't matter. Listen, people's going to hurt us. People's going to backbite us. People's going to try to destroy our testimony. And if we'll allow people, if we'll allow people to dictate how far we go in this thing, we're not going to get very far. But can I tell you, I'm not in this thing because of other people. I'm in this thing because my heavenly Father loves me and he died for me and I'm going further in my faith because I got a word from God to keep going and keep pressing and to keep moving on. I'm talking about the dimensions of this wall you see this it's not it's not just built in the It's built over time it's built by other people and then this wall a third observation is so big that you can't do anything about it these are not soldiers in Joshua chapter number six these are nomads and pilgrims who wasn't even birthed in Egypt this is the generation that was raised and reared in the wilderness They have no training in military skills. They have no ingenuity within of themselves. They don't know how they're going to get beyond this thing. It was too big for them. The wall was too, let me me say something. Uh, What they're looking at is what's only on the surface. But a wall this big, it's got to go deeper in places that you don't even see below the ground. They're dealing with something so wide they can't handle it so tall they can't get beyond it so deep they don't know how to surmount it but can i tell you tonight hallelujah when your wall is too big for you aren't you glad it's not too big for your god my god is a wall breaker my god is an enemy destroyer my god is a water walker and he has the power he has the ability and when your wall is too big for you honey it's never too big for god some of us, some of us tonight come into the building ready to shout. Truth be known, the wall is looking us in the face. And in ourself, in our own strength, there's nothing we can do about it. If it comes down, God's going to have to move. So we see the dimensions of the wall. And then we see, number two, the dealing with the wall. The question there becomes, then how do we deal with it how many say amen right here we all have walls that need to fall walls built over time built by other people built too big for us to do anything about the question is how do we deal with it well there's four approaches that you can take first of all you could take the cowardly approach you could look at that wall and that circumstance And be like the children of Israel on so many occasions. Say, well, we had a good run at it. Let's go back. Is that not what they did when they crossed over the Red Sea? The Bible says they entered into the wilderness. Suddenly there was no water. They says, we're not their graves in Egypt land. Let's turn around. Let's go back. Can I tell you something? Had they turned around and went back, they would have went back to the very bondage that God led them out of. And the very discouragement that God led them out of. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look at that wall or that situation and we'll take a cowardly approach and we'll just turn around and we'll go as far as we can from it. You say, preacher, what is wrong with that? What is wrong with it is it's flat out disobedience to what God has told us to do. You may be safe in going back, but you'll not move in faith. And God, it says, I've got vineyards that you didn't build. I've got houses that you didn't build. I've got, listen, I've got wells you didn't have to dig. I don't know about you tonight. I want everything God has for me. I want everything God's got for my children. I want everything he's got for Crossroads Baptist Church. And it's time in these last days that children of God get a backbone one more time. Stop retreating. Stop going back into the wilderness and into the desert and say, as from me and my house. What we're gonna serve the Lord. This is not in my notes. This is not in my notes. But I'm going to let it rip anyway. I don't know about you what we need in this country. is some more Baptist believers that get on fire for God and come hell or high water say I'm going to name the name of Jesus. I think this this new modern non-confrontational kind of hipster approach to ministry is not really working the way that God wants us to. Oh, yeah, we're safe. We're building churches and we're building ministries. But we're not getting what God wants us to have in the land of Canaan. And all the while, the walls of Jericho, they're looming large in our life. And we're wondering, God, why won't you give us what you said you would? And God's saying, because you're not going where I called you to. There's a cowardly approach that that some could take. And then there's the complacent approach. Some maybe would say, well, we're definitely not going back because if we go back it's the wilderness and if we go back it's Egypt and if we go back it's all the the discouragements of days gone by. But I think we'll be okay just to camp out right here. This will be okay, right? I mean, we we get a good distance from Jericho and Jericho is a good distance from us. We've already crossed Jordan. We've already consecrated ourselves. We've already... Nailed down our fundamentals. We've already got our King James Bible issue figured out. We're already wearing the suit and tie that we need to. And I mean, you know, this is this is a good, safe distance. But the truth is, staying there will never get you everything God's promised you. And staying put is flat out rebellion to what God has commanded. And I'm not being mean tonight, I promise you. This is something I have to deal with in my own life. But I think the curse of America is apathetic Christians. I think the curse of our nation are Christians that say, I think we'll just stay right here. And all the while our youngins wondering what does that water in that well taste like. Daddy, what about them homes that God said we didn't have to build? And Daddy, what about them vineyards? God, we want to taste a little bit of glory. What about that milk and that, that honey that's flowing? Daddy, we had not seen that yet. And Daddy said, no, nah, we're just going to stay right here. We ain't going to church on Wednesday night. We're just going to stay right here. We don't have to support the revival meetings. We're going to stay right here and on Sunday night instead of going back to the house of God. We're going to go to the lake and go fish." My God, He blessed you with a bass boat and you use it on the Lord's Day to go fishing. Somebody help me tonight. I'm saying, God, listen, you can do all that and be saved, yeah. You can do all that and come across the Jordan, yeah. You can do all that and be consecrated and cleansed, yeah. But I tell you, you'll never get the full abundant life that God wants you to have. How about you tonight? I want everything he's got for me. I want to taste all of it. I want to sit on his table. I want to commune with him. I want to know my God in the land of Canaan. These walls, these walls are preventing us. So you see there's four approaches. I named two. One's the cowardly approach. One's the complacent approach. And then the third's the compromising approach. Right. The compromising approach says this. Well, we'll not go back, and we certainly can't stay here. We'll just go around it. We'll go around it. See you, Jericho say preacher what's the problem with that approach well as I've already said flat-out rebellion flat-out rebellion and the other thing is this do you think for one moment the moment you turn your back on the city of Jericho what's the enemy gonna do to the children of God can I say this and I feel the Holy Ghost in saying it there's some walls in your life that cannot exist in the land of promise some walls have to come down some walls have to be destroyed some walls have to be demolished some walls have to be obliterated in the name of Jesus because he says this, I'll not give you the promise as long as Jericho is still around but if you'll take the courageous approach and say God I'll look at my wall, I don't understand how it'll come down, I don't understand how it'll move but God I'm trusting in you, I'm clinging to you you said you'd give me Jericho and the men of valor and the king thereof, I don't know how you'll do it God but I'm going to trust that you will so we need the courageous approach tonight the courage how do you deal with your wall I'm talking about the dimensions of the wall I'm talking about the dealing of the wall tonight I wonder how many of us if we'd be honest with it really take that fourth courageous approach and say I'm going to look at it I'm look at it and see what God wants me to do tonight that brings us to the last point the demolition of this wall Hallelujah. Not just the dimensions bigger than you. Not just the dealing. It's got to be contended with. But how, preacher, in verse number 5, did the wall fall down flat? Well, there's three or four things that God said this is what you got to do. Number one, you got to walk. Well, I wish I had something more sensational to say than that. Preacher, you mean to tell me if my wall is going to fall, you're here to tell me on a Friday night jubilee meeting after all the big name preachers that come in behind you, before you rather, and this great church with this great preacher and this great pastor leading the way, the point that you're going to tell us about getting this wall down is for us to simply walk? Yep. Why preacher? Because that's what God told them. Now how many would agree with this? If the wall comes down, God's got to do it. But He is going to choose to use their obedience in them walking around that wall. You say, preacher, well just walk and that's easy. Well, I look at a lot of Christians today and I don't think it's that easy. I'll say that again. I look at a lot of Christians today and I don't know if walking is that easy or not it sounds real easy but doing it's a different thing so let me ask you this tonight in conjunction with the dimensions of the wall that you're facing how's your walk how's your walk because a walk that is not obedient to the commands of the captain of the host of the army of God is a wall that will never fall You, you know you want to know the reason why God's just commanding them to walk. He's doing that as a testimony so that when the wall does come down, none of those Israelites can take any claim that they're the one who did it. And even in our own life, you know how we get victory? God gives the victory. But He gives the victory in conjunction with the way that we're walking with Him. And if we're not walking in accordance to the law of God and the word of God and the spirit of God, I would surmise and contend we've got walls that have been erected that we don't know what to do with. But I like this, as long as you are walking the way God commanded us to walk, it doesn't matter how high that wall is, you've got the perpetual promise that He is with you. So so he says walk. And then he says, number two, he says, then wait. Just wait. This is the, this is the way he said do it. And want you to take the mighty men of valor. then I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant. Then you take the priests and then the rear word of the people. And you know, millions of people. And then I just want you to walk around the city. Do that six days. And just do it once a day. One time around the city, do that six days. And on the seventh time, seventh day, do it seven times. And, which a lot of times we don't even read this in the word of God, He says, I don't want you to make a sound when you do it. Now, this is the greatest miracle of Joshua 6 because there are women in this crowd. Somebody say amen tonight. There's women in this crowd and children in this crowd, but what are they doing? They are walking and they are waiting. They are walking and they are waiting. They are walking and they are waiting and the first day goes by and they're walking and they're waiting and God's not doing anything. You ever been there? Just walking and waiting, just walking and waiting and the second day what are you doing? Just walking and waiting. Six day pass, just walking and waiting and God had not done nothing. Days gone by, preacher, months gone by and I've been looking at this wall in my life and it's not going down. There's no way. I don't understand what God is doing. In the waiting period of my life, it seems as though God is doing absolutely nothing. But aren't you glad that you know by experience in those seasons of life when it seems as though God is doing absolutely nothing, He is gloriously doing something. God, somehow or another, in the waiting seasons of our despair, somehow or another, He molds us and He helps us and He transforms us. And this is what He does while we wait. He creates a dependency upon Himself. While I'm walking and while I'm waiting, I have to trust that God knows what He's doing. I think about Moses. Moses went into the wilderness. And just one little verse of his life says, And over the course of time, or as it came to pass, and just that one statement, 40 years took place. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, but over the course of time, 40 years, and that's all it says. And Moses experienced days of waiting, days of nothingness. Same old desert, same old scenery, same old sheep. Same old father-in-law. Same old trek. God, you're not doing anything. You led me out of Egypt all the way down here to Midian. And there's nothing going on. God, I'm just walking and I'm waiting. I'm just walking and I'm waiting. You know what God did? God took him to the well. And he sat down by a well. And he had to draw water out of a well. And then Jethro's daughters came. And he had to deliver that sheep out of the hand of the foe. And then for the next 40 years, he had to walk them sheep around the desert. And it seemed as though God was doing nothing. But do you know, well, glory, in the midst of it seemed like God was doing nothing, God was developing the man of God to be the great deliverer of Israel. Because over 40 years, as he is learning to draw water out of a well, God will eventually lead him to draw water out of a rock. And as God was leading him to tend the sheep of his father-in-law, God would eventually call him to lead the children of Israel in the desert. As he was a deliverer of the hand of the foe, he would eventually be the great deliverer of the people of God. Preacher, what do you say? It may look like God's doing nothing, but honey, he's a doing something. This is what he's doing. He's transforming you. He's creating a dependency in your life that can only be sustained by the divine. That's what he's doing. Amen. Yeah. He's called us to walk. He's called us to wait. And he's called us to worship. Amen. Seventh day, March seven times. Seven times. A little different that day of completion. Seven times around the city. And he says, you watch Joshua. When I give him the cue... Joshua's going to tell you to shout. They're going to blow the ram's horns. And when they do that, verse 5, the walls will fall down flat. It was exactly in these next verses like God said. Don't you love the order there? God said, shout and then the walls will come down. It's almost as though your worship perpetuates The miracle. And I think a lot of times we've got that backwards, don't we? We only want to worship after what the walls fall down. A lot of times we'll say, God, I'll give you all the praise and glory in my life if you just answer this one more prayer. I'll tell you what, go ahead and do it before He answers the prayer. Be like Hezekiah and just sound the music up and strike up the proverbial band and go out to face the enemy in the face of worship and praise and honor and glory. Because there's some things in this life that will not come down unless they come down in the sound of worship and praise. God is telling us tonight, just worship that wall down hallelujah just praise that wall down just give him glory even if you don't see it coming down you've got something more than that you've got a promise from god as long as you've got a promise you ought to have a praise god says this is what you do you walk you wait you worship and you watch The Bible says when they blew the trumpets and they shouted the victory that the wall fell down flat suddenly God had broken up that barrier and off in the distance do you see them wells? <laughs> they didn't have to dig them vineyards that they didn't have to plant and them houses that they didn't have to build Oh, God's got it for them but they got to get past that wall first the Bible says it fell down flat and I'm done with this I'm done with this God gave some specific instruction on what to do when it came down flat. He said, don't take anything of the city, burn it. Destroy the inhabitants thereof, the king thereof, and all the mighty men of valor. And if you take anything, the gold or the silver, out of the city of Jericho, put it in the treasury of the Lord. Or don't take anything for yourself. Whatever you take from this experience of this wall standing in your life, you better give it to God. Hello? When you see God work and you see that wall come down flat, if you have to, if you have to take something with you, you better put it in the treasury of God and give it to where He's the accountant over it. Don't take anything for yourself. And then we find Brother Aiken, who did exactly what God said not to do what did he do preacher he took that garment he took that accursed thing can I say it this way he took a piece of that wall with him and he hid it put it somewhere that nobody else could see it and and he's in the company of all the other victors he's with everybody that's got the victory He's with the people that shout in the glory. Oh, and he can even see in the distance all the promises of God. But down deep, are you listening tonight? Down deep, he kept a remnant of the wall that God destroyed. And what happened? The Bible says, when well, nobody else knew about it, God knew about it. And as they looked and saw Ai, God said, I ain't going to give you that city. You're going to be disturbed. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. There's somebody that's got a piece of the wall. And Achan thought he was going to get away with it. And all of his children, jubilant about what God was about to do, calls them out in the city and they die. They die. And the children dies. And his generation does not get the promises of God. Preacher, what is your point tonight? This is my point and I'm closing as I come with a song. God forbid this evening that the Holy Spirit would bring to our attention walls in our life that need to fall. And By His grace and His power and His authority somehow or another you come to these altars this evening and you find walls falling down flat all in your life. God forbid you get up from this altar and take a peace with you. You say, preacher, why? Because that very little thing may be the thing that prevents you from going further in your faith. I wonder with a raised hand tonight, would you agree with me? We all have walls that need to fall. The question is, will we do what God's commanded us to do to see them walls fall down flat? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed tonight. Your preacher is going to come, give the invitation. Right before he comes, I want to ask you a question are you looking at a wall this evening maybe you've heard about the promises of God and you've heard granddaddy and grandmama talk about the goodness and the blessings the wells, the vineyards the homes and and you know just up ahead God's already given you a word that it's there but you just can't seem to go further in your faith maybe tonight God's brought to attention a wall that needs to be contended with I wonder if you would deal with it face it head-on and ask God to give you the courage to do what he's commanded you to do. And don't take any peace with you as you leave. Son's already coming to the altar. We're standing our feet. Brother the is going to come. Close out the meeting.